Let us pray. Creator God, open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word. In the name of Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The daffodils in my garden are in full bloom. Six Nations rugby matches are being watched in our house with enthusiasm. And my daughter has covered our dining table with little pots of seeds that she hopes will germinate and grow into vast supplies of vegetables by the summer. All the signs are there that spring has sprung. And Mothering Sunday is one of the landmarks in our calendar that reminds us, even in the depths of Lent, that a new story is about to be told. A story of a love that defeats hate, life that defeats death, and hope that defeats despair. Now, when it comes to the rugby, I have to confess, much to the chagrin of my family, that I'm a Wales fan. I converted to this when I married because Sandy is a lifelong fan of the Reds. I also have a group of close friends who support Wales, and so we formed an online group and send messages to each other during the matches. Sometimes our online conversations are full of joy and enthusiasm. At other times we share our frustration about the referee or comment on the fact that the team don't seem to have turned up for the second half. You can imagine the sort of thing. We also sing Welsh hymns and arias loudly at the television. It's a good job we cannot hear each other. The choir at Central Hall do not have any competition from our singing. The good news at the moment is that Wales are doing rather well and may well win the tournament, but I'm not counting my chickens yet. There are highs and lows for anyone who supports a sports team, let's not mention Fulham today. Over the years, there are times when they are riding high, champions, the mighty winners, but more often than not, victory belongs to someone else. The chosen team that we support are the underdogs, losing more games than they win and testing the loyalty of the fans. When passionate rugby friends um, are brought low because their team is on a losing streak, I'm very careful not to say, ah, it's only a game. That really doesn't go down well. In sport, we measure success in terms of winners and losers. The winners are lifted up and the losers brought low. There are many times in our world when humans measure things in terms of winners and losers. Which country is winning because its economy is the richest? Which business is winning because it has made the most profit? Which nation has managed to vaccinate the most people? So many ways we elevate one group, organisation or nation and diminish others. We know from our two gospel passages that God has a different perspective. God's attention is focused on those who do not win in the world's eyes. God notices and lifts up the humble, the lowly, those in the world's eyes who are of little, if any, value. And as Mary's song of praise to God tells us, God brings down the mighty from their thrones. Last week, Tony preached on Jesus turning the tables of the traders at the entrance to the temple. And I want to revisit that passage for a moment. Jesus was angry. Not so much that people were trading in the entrance to the temple, but because the traders were ripping people off. 
the animals for sacrifice were being sold at highly inflated prices and the money changers were charging exorbitant rates of exchange. Faithful people, some of the poorest of the poor who had saved for years to make a once in a lifetime visit to the temple were being cheated. Instead of the house of God being a place of prayer, it had become a refuge for thieves. People of deep faith were being taken advantage of and the injustice of this caused Jesus to burn with rage and to act against the unfairness of what was happening. This temple was the one rebuilt after the exiles returned to Jerusalem following their time in Babylon. Under Nehemiah and, the, and Solomon, the new temple was built and took decades, 46 years to complete. So much of the history of the people of Israel was tied up in that place. It was a symbol of identity, roots, and a sign of a new beginning that sprang from an old disaster. I noticed that it was important to Jesus to visit the temple, to go home to the house of his heavenly father. And for us, Mothering Sunday is traditionally the day when Christian people would return to their home church or cathedral. It's particularly poignant on this Mothering Sunday that we are not able to return to our church building, even though we are very much church as we worship together online. Like the people of Israel in the time of Nehemiah, we may have to rebuild our church again, not as a building, but as a community. We will rebuild a house of prayer. Will we? Oh, will we rebuild a house of prayer? Will it be a place where the poor and lowly are lifted up and the powerful challenged and even dethroned? Turning to Mary's song in Luke's Gospel, we're reminded of the nature of God. Mary's song of praise draws our attention to the God who's not interested in the false and empty power that the world recognises. Rather, we notice the God who lifts up the poor lifts up the downtrodden and lowly, and pulls the thrones out from under the mighty, the powerful, the ones considered winners in a world that only values wealth and power. I mentioned the competitiveness between nations as to who had vaccinated the most people. This is very much a competition for the wealthy. There are many developing countries in the world who are not in a position to compete. According to the United Nations, by the middle of February, 130 nations had not received a single dose of vaccine. Ten countries in the world had administered 75% of all vaccinations. Do we imagine that God, who lifts up the lowly, approves of such inequality and justice? I mentioned the richest companies making the most profit. I wonder how many of those global corporations pay fair prices to their farmers and manufacturers and how much of the profit they make is made at the expense of the poor and at the expense of the integrity of God's creation. Do we imagine that the God who lifts up the lowly approves of such inequality and injustice? <clears throat> The world has been a different place for the last year, in many ways, but the old inequalities, 
the structures that would cause Jesus to make a whip of cords and drive the powerful from their thrones, those inequalities are still there and have been shown in ever sharper relief. The disproportionate impact of the COVID-19 virus on particular communities, the racism deep within the systems of our nations, the casual misogyny that allows generations of women to feel afraid, belittled and powerless. These things are clearer to us now. The shouts of the poor might be drowned out by the noise of the wealthy. The cries of, I can't breathe, are drowned out by the noise of the racist. And the panicked voices of women, afraid to walk by day or night, drowned out by the salacious nonsense of their attackers. And yet, yet there are other sounds. The shouting of a righteous man calling for justice and the song of his mother praising God. These sounds of love and justice ring across the centuries, weaving together a harmony of resistance, a cacophony of protest, a song of lament. This is the song we're invited to join in with, in our praying, in our speaking out, in our acting with God. We are called to lift up the lowly, to challenge the mighty. Mary's song is our song, Magnificat. Mary's song is the call to us all to join with God in shaping a new world, a world where Jesus is the example of change and the Holy Spirit is the power to change. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has looked with favour on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who fear him, from generation to generation. God has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. May this be our song and may we, like Jesus, lose our patience in the face of a world that needs God's love and justice. Amen.